Hello and welcome back to another episode of Our Generation On Air. My name is Alex Bonamore and joining me this week is uh, self-professed Ringo Starr of Our Generation, Micah Chudley. That is me. Yeah, Mr. BBC Radio London. That will be out by the time this goes out, won't it? Yeah, that, that will be available to listen. I was on the radio this evening, which is Thursday, London Sports Show, I think it's called. And uh, I surprised myself with how quickly I turned negative about QPR. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I said on the, that I'm one of the more optimistic QPR fans, but like straight away I was like, actually, no, I, I hate what's happening right now. This is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it turned pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Far as, as far as shameless plugs go, what are we, a minute in? A minute in. Why not, though? Yeah, grab no, that's a new record. you just got to grab the attention up front, because otherwise... Yeah. You know, people might not listen to the end, so you know. But then I think the it crossover of like BBC London listeners to this podcast. There's so many more BBC London listeners, so saying it on this podcast probably won't attract too many more. It's more the other way around. Yeah, I haven't listened yet, but I hope you gave us a plug. I, I think the host did. <laughs> oh, she no, did. no. Okay. he's the Paul McCartney guys. I'm Ringo. He's Paul. He's, he's already <laughs> looking at his next career move. I'm going to be be stuck here doing QPRV Rotherham forever. (laughs) Um, Speaking of QPR, a a really naff week in terms of results. A really poor performance on Saturday, followed up by such a... Even though, I guess, things actually happened in the game, technically, so I've been told. It felt like last night's game was such a non-event. It could easily have not happened. It just didn't... It hasn't sort of. I mean, I'm annoyed by the result. I'm annoyed by by the performance, but it just may as well like it may as well just not have turned up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think my dad had said to me after the first goal went in, he turned off the stream. Uh, first goal was five minutes in, wasn't it? Was it five, six minutes? Can't remember. Yeah, but um, yeah, I think unfortunately it was just. There was really nothing there for us last night, to be honest with you. Um, I suppose when you set up the way that we had set up, if you have one kind of like lapse in concentration, which is what Kakai had, and you go and concede, like that can be it. And it was it, wasn't it, really? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it crossed my mind when that guy went in. It's like the last time I sat on this sofa watching the QPR game on the red button, I'm pretty sure it was... Um, Blackpool away. Wow, <laughs> like six one demolition. We, we need uh, to get you off that red button yeah. as soon as possible. I watched the whole <laughs> ninety minutes of that game. I was like, what, like Blackpool just... or Leeds? Both. Oh God! <laughs> oh, you you have to be entitled to some kind of like free therapy for that. Com- Alex. Com- well, uh, that's what the um the the host of BBC London said she was providing. It's like. You know what? Like, I'm not going to turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> you have seen, you have seen things, my friend. You, yeah, you and, like, Vietnam, is due. Yeah, you and Vietnam War vets have like the same kind of level of PTSD. That Sky red button game is my Vietnam, <laughs> plus the Birmingham game away from last season. With oh, I think we God, talked about no. last week or a week before. That is also up there. Um, should we? Let's rewind to Saturday then. Um, on the face of it, for, for majority of the game, 
I'd say that we were at least competing. It wasn't we weren't yeah. creating sort of like amazing chances, but there was much there there was a sort of like control of possession at times that we saw against Swansea, probably to much less extent. But it was a, a period of about 15 minutes, possibly, where everything that possibly could have gone wrong just went wrong. You, you don't, not that it actually would have counted for much, because even if we scored a potential penalty, we'd have still lost. But obviously, Armstrong <sighs> not getting that penalty, the three goals that we managed to concede as they just cut through us with ease, you know, up to that point, Coventry were probably the better team, but I wouldn't have said they were outstanding. And then it just all yeah. falls apart. Yeah, I mean, just just from kind of watching it and, like, having been there, the energy in the ground, like, felt positive at halftime. Like, yeah, it was a little... The game was a bit boring, but I think in Mark Robbins and Ainsworth, you've got two guys that kind of just, like, know how to grind results out. Grind results out. Um, I think Robbins coming into that game would probably have been happy with a point, especially at half time. I I didn't feel it was as bad as people thought. I thought what was bad is that it felt like a complete regression in the second half in the fact that the first goal went in and I think that there was a feeling even in the away end that it was going to be ruled out for offside yeah. and then it kind of wasn't. And I remember I I'd, I'd gone to the game ironically enough with this is such a random thing. A Swansea fan from Coventry, so he was supporting Coventry. He kind of turned to me and he goes, yeah, that was offside, wasn't it? And I was like, I, I didn't really see the goal. I was kind of more kind of like watching the team, if that makes sense. I was kind of like watching how we were kind of set up. Uh, so I didn't really know. And then I saw the replay and I was like, fantastic, classic QPR, another decision against us. But I think for me, it, the, the, the following like 15 or so minutes just felt so last season, felt so like back-end Warburton. It was just pure oh like feeling sorry for us oh that shouldn't have counted we were in the game up until this point it was just pathetic really like it's it's like do you know what I mean a lot of excuses have been made for this team and a lot of accusations have been thrown at this team unfairly right but it does feel like they've been given the kind of like the clean slate post Watford as well um so like just to see that again, like come on, like Beale's been sacked by Rangers, Critchy has a new job, everybody's moved on. Like it's it's time to stop feeling sorry for ourselves every time something goes against us. And that's really what Saturday was. We were in the game. We it's not as bad as people were making out. And I think the stats show that as well. But the pure oh pity for ourselves, it's just it's getting sickening now to be honest. Yeah. The thing is, like, I kind of forgotten about that offside because, I guess, yeah. I mean, it was it was offside. I felt it was offside in the moment. I was like, but you know, we 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 are not getting the rub of the green. You with... were at the game, weren't you? Were at South Africa yeah. Road, weren't you? Yeah, down there the was other that end. kind of yeah. There was that kind of like hesitation from everyone when the goal went in, and that weird kind of like yeah, like yeah, no, it was no like... one really knew. Let's be honest. Coventry were like half celebrating it, weren't they? Their fans. And then like they realised that there was going to be no whistle. And then it kind of was like, oh, all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, goal. Ellis Sims, you know, a striker. And we all know what strikers are like for celebrating goals. As soon as they know it's okay, they go off and celebrate. But mm. you could tell in his reaction, he was a little sort of like, is it, 
is it yeah. uh, oh it is all right well fine right <laughs> you know yeah so and then the next two goals um my god like it's just it, it, absolutely shambolic isn't it that like, you know <laughs> I, I know Ainsworth loves uh our players throwing themselves in front of the ball but this is one occasion where it, you know I guess it doesn't come off entirely well you know there's players at one point in one of them there's cooks in the um opposition half it just sort of like flies in to a tackle we lose the ball straight away and then they're countering on us and you know they move very quickly slickly and get the ball in the back of the net very easily um, was the second goal the one that like deflects off Kakai and then Begovic? Yes. Or was that yeah? That was like mate, when that ball dropped to that guy outside the box, it was like it was like slow-mo. I turned to the guy I'd gone to the game with, I was like, oh god. And I looked away and I looked away and then I just said and I was like, oh crap. Um just like for all the defensive organisation that we've given Ainsworth kind of credit for, for making us a bit more solid, I couldn't believe the amount of space that he found himself in. I understand it was a counter-attack and a bit unpredictable, but like that, again, it's just so like Warburton, Beale, Critchley, like whatever we're calling that era, like it was just so like... It was so open. Wasn't just so open and like... Even even to try and mitigate it, like to try and do the right thing by throwing ourselves at it, like even that was just like we're just like falling to the ground. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how about we just how about we just pick <clears throat> up our man? You know what I mean? Instead of having to have to look like we're oh, I don't want to say it, but giving everything. Do you know what I mean? How do you feel about the comments that he makes? Because I know this was a uh, I don't know under Warburton, people were always quite critical of what he said in the media in the sense of like it was always the same thing and people wanted something different and then you have bill who just what like it, it, you just think <laughs> like right the, the, the mick beal, had in the game sometimes yeah mick beal and gareth ainsworth are two sides of the same coin is that they're just a media person's worst nightmare and that oh, gareth ainsworth will say something bonkers whereas Mick Beal would give away like the trade secrets in the like, yeah. I remember him sort of saying something about Willock after the uh Charlton game. Uh it's just like why are you saying that? Like he <laughs> would just say anything to get people on his side. Yeah. Um, that was him on him all over. Well how do you feel about Gareth Ainsworth being very bullish and protective of his players? I've been saying since maybe March, like, if you are somebody that gets, like, emotionally driven by pre-match interviews, one, you're a loser, two, um, sorry, <laughs> just being honest, two, stop watching them, I'll be honest, stop watching yeah. pre-match interviews, like, because realistically, what the manager is going to do is do, not just Ainsworth, but unless you've got a cop or a pep that's going to come up with, like, a box office, like, hilarious quote or say that a game should be replayed or whatever what every manager is going to do is they're going to err on the side of caution they're not going to reveal too much about team news they're not going to reveal too much about tactics they're going to give you the safe answer because they don't want to be a headline tomorrow Ainsworth funnily enough makes himself a headline by trying to do that sometimes ironically enough I get he's trying to protect the players. Of course, he's going to say the players have given everything. Of course, he's going to say that they left it all out there. 
Of course he's going to say that he felt his team deserved more because that's what every manager is supposed to say. You know, I don't condone maybe saying, oh, we might have played, (laughs) no, we might have played the champions. I think that's my all-time favourite quote from maybe any manager ever. I love that. Um, When did he say that? Don't you remember after Watford, he said to not go so hard on the players. We might have played the champions here. And I think Watford didn't win their next three. Which is quite funny, but um, just yeah, they're only a couple of points off, so far, aren't they? Yeah, exactly. Well, we might be the eventual champions, you know. Um, but um, for anybody that's still getting upset by Ainsworth copy and pasting the same pre-match and post-match interviews when we win or lose, stop watching them. Just stop yeah. watching. That's an absolutely fair comment. And what you say about replaying games, I would, you know, <clears throat> suggest for the amount of controversial decisions that have gone against us in the last couple of games i i would you know be right on board of cup yeah let's replay games but actually yeah, we might i don't course. want to see qpr play at the moment i don't want to, <laughs> we do not need to play any more than we need to at the moment. I I don't just... know. If, if we replay that entire back end of 21 22 from march onwards like there, there's no way it can get any worse right surely we, we make the playoffs like <laughs> like like we just accidentally get ourselves enough points. Maybe if we had Steve Cook. Oh, I know. God, it hurts. I know. Um, Leeds then last night. Uh, another really pathetic showing. Like pathetic in the sense that for the first forty-five, we weren't actually on that pitch. You, the, the people will tell me there was eleven QPR players on the pitch, but I will not believe them for a minute. And the most shocking thing about it is that it only ended 1-0. I mean, for God's sake, at the end of the game, Lyndon Dykes was in goal. And I don't think, apart from the free kick, they had an attempt on goal, Leeds. This is not... They did not play us off the park at all. I think Sky commentator said it was the most one-sided 1-0 you've ever seen. In, in a certain sense, yes, but that's the wrong way to describe it. Like it, they had, Leeds had possession. Leeds were never really threatened. But apart from that one goal where we made a monumental cock-up of the situation, I don't feel like Leeds played us off the pitch. Well, well, that's what I mean in the sense that, like, we we set up to not really give them too much, maybe let them have the ball. But, like, obviously the, 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 the pitfalls of that is, you know, if there is a lapse in concentration, if someone makes a mistake and they score, you're not really primed to go and get an equaliser because your game plan is to stay tight and keep it solid. Um... I think the most concerning for me thing for me from that game last night is I know a certain West London sport journalist was talking about our right hand side. Um, I personally don't think that that's a shocking revelation that teams are going to attack a a left winger and a right wing back playing at right wing back and right centre back. I, I think every team would do that. I think Gaz knows that. I think the more concerning thing for me was just there just seemed to be like a real lack of a plan like what what was the plan yeah like if we went one nil down what what was the plan like it it doesn't really seem like for all the progress that we'd made pre-coventry it doesn't really seem like we know what type of team we want to be yeah and when you say progress as well i'm not you know we're not by any stretch of imagination saying that we're sort of like a really good team or you know progress is not like a code word for playoff push progress is anything that's better than beat losing four nil and taking any type of positive from that because unlike some 
I'd say fan. Well, not some. Unlike a certain fan, we don't get paid to go and watch this team. <laughs> we pay <laughs> ourselves to go and watch us. So if I want to find <laughs> a positive, right, I will find a positive. And it, because otherwise, what's the point of going back? You can't just be negative the whole time. I mean, it's credit where it's due and criticism where it's due. And last night it was pathetic and they deserve to be criticized for it. But let's sort of, you know, stop with the sort of fake entitlement. We've tried to play nice football for the last three managers and it got to nowhere, ultimately. I will watch anything that gets served up in front of us at QPR and I will continue going back. If we win games whilst playing any type of football, that will make me a little bit happier. Um, well, it's funny, it's funny, isn't it? Because what what was the, the the thing at the playoff final was? Oh, look at Coventry and Luton; they don't have to play pretty football to make the playoffs. And it's and and that and what now? We're 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 above that, are we? No disrespect. Yeah. yeah, we're a bigger club than Luton. Don't get me wrong, but no disrespect. The year the Premier League was founded, we were there as were Coventry City. So what we're 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 above being what Coventry City and Mark Robbins are now, are we? We're above getting twenty million for Victor Gyokerez and fifteen million for Hamer. But is that what we are, are we? If if that's the case, I, I must have missed something over the last ten years. Yep. Oh, yeah, spot on. Um <clears throat> what you were saying about Smith, it's really frustrating because I actually think he's you know, he's left a few bits to be desired defending but going forward he's shown promise and he's not necessarily playing in his correct position so even when he gets into those forward areas you're not getting the best out of him um i think it was i saw i think our insights on twitter or x say you know he's not being utilized properly smith's been one of the few sort of like genuine bright spots i'd say consistently and it's not He's just wasting him in that position. So interesting to see what happens when Reggie Cannon gets fit, where he fit, where he kind of comes into the side. I know Cook's injured and is a serious doubt apparently for the weekend. Oh really? But yeah, I mean, ideally at some point you would want all five billion of our centre backs to be fit, however, <laughs> how many we've got. Um, so you could, in theory, have I don't know, Foxall to. Dunn and Cook in defence or Fox playing, you know, if you're not a fan of Clark Salter. Yeah. But, you know, the, the long and short of it is that Kakai doesn't have to be that first choice. And, yeah. you know, then where do you, you know, where do you fit Cannon in? Do you, where do you fit, do you, you don't have to fit Kakai in? Where does Smith then fit in further up the field? Even still, I don't trust us to actually put balls in behind for him. Like you know, for him to utilize his pace, like we don't do with Armstrong. Yeah, I, it's pretty clear. Like, no disrespect to Paul Smith because he he, I think he's he's done a very good job for us. Excuse me, that's a motorbike. Um, a friend of the podcast as well, Paul Smith. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, even though I wasn't there, but Paul Paul Smith, obviously, like you know, his his best sort of moment in his career has been at Leighton Orient, like cutting in off the left. Everybody remembers that famous goal that he scored where he beat like three players. I don't think getting to the byline is his, his strongest point. On um, Saturday, there was a few in South Africa Road getting frustrated at his delivery. Um, 
but it's hard for me to really knock him because he's playing out of position and he's been one of our stronger players this season. I have to wonder um, what his place in the team is. Are we married to this 3-4-2-1 or the 3-5-2 we play when it's Dykes and Armstrong? Because if we are um, and we're looking to be a little bit more solid, the, the kind of more natural option at right wing back to be solid would be Kakai and then Cannon right centre-back. So then it's like, do you play him left wing-back? But Kenneth Powell's had like a decent season on the left. He's probably been our best player this season. So, so it's, it's kind of like, where, where does he fit in then unless we change shape or he's just going to stay playing right wing-back, which I'm not sure suits him? Yeah. I'm kind of not really sure what Ainsworth has in mind. I feel like, did you have to look at the timeline of this, but was he signed before Dyke signed his extension? I think he was, yeah. So, like, was he kind of, uh, or will just try and fill a spot, kind of like up front, and he's and he's a striker that we can get. You know, I wonder, know. I wonder, because he wasn't signed like ages before the extension, and I feel like once it's kind of that close, I feel like clubs had not have an idea yeah. if a player's going to sign or not. You know, the way we kind of just knew Manning wasn't signing, and we already know, yeah. like. We already know Willock isn't. It's not that we're going to miss him, but well, we, yeah. We... I don't, if we did sign a new contract, I think I'd actually be disappointed at this point. I gotta say, Saturday was like it's the first, every other game I've been to. He's kind of come off the bench since, like you know, Critchley. Yeah, it was really tough to watch on Saturday, and not in the sense that like it's not even that I don't think he doesn't care. It's that like he just. He looks scared. Like I mean, whatever he had is gone, in a sense, isn't it? Yeah, but he just looks like he's scared of doing it again. Like that, there, there'll be a ball that's a little bit in front of him, and like the old Willock latches onto it and just sort of starts gliding. This Willock, he he won't really sprint for it, and if he does, he's a little bit conservative and he wants to maybe play it back and he'll do a step over, but won't really take on the man. And it's it's. I mean, like of all the things like Mick Bill did to QPR, I think. Probably the worst thing, really, for the club was him the way he handled Willock coming back from injury because it's, oh, it's destroyed time. him. Yeah, it's destroyed him, Alex. It's sad to what this guy like. I think he was in the four four two, like top ten players outside the football league not long ago. Yeah. Now, now he's barely like at the moment putting up League One quality performances. Yeah, I mean, like yesterday, my dad was like, "Oh, you know." If if he carries on like this, the best he's going to get is like Bristol City. I was like, if he carries on like this, he might even get Bristol City. Bristol, yeah, Bristol like, Rovers. Like. Yeah, like this is it, it. It's sad in the sense of we know what he could have been, um, and you know he was. I mean, players are just going to play, aren't they? If they're available to play, they'll play. But it, it's a, a phrase that I've used a few times with this club that someone has got to be the adult in the room, sort of say. Uh, not 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 this time or you know like no we're not going to break our entire structure just for you or you know yeah. we're not going to buy you you're very expensive so it's got to be tough like for him personally as well like if you really want to get to the nitty gritty of it and i think this is maybe the part some of our fans forget when and i'm not trying to defend our players at all it was an appalling performance yesterday and it was a really poor response on saturday I think one thing maybe the players forget, if you're Chris Willock, this manager, Mick Bill's come in, and I don't want to talk about Mick Bill because it looks like he's got his just due this week, but like your manager comes in and he tells you, look, I'm building a team around you and Ilias Chair. It's going to be around the 10s. You're going to create everything. I need you, blah, 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 blah. You're going to 
make us this, that, and then you're going to go and get a move and I'm going to improve you as a player. So when he turns to you and says, hey, can you come back from injury early? We need to get this thing moving against Middlesbrough. You're like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll run for a brick wall for you. Come back again. I'll come back a little bit early. You know, we've started the season well. We've got Sheffield United away. We need you. Yeah, I'll do that for you, Gaffer. Five weeks later, he's left the club. Mm. Like, how, how, I can't even imagine how Willett, Willett must feel ridiculous. Like, he, like yeah. not, not to rub it in, but he must feel ridiculous. He must be like, why on earth did I do this? Like, <laughs> I could have just taken an extra few weeks off. My hamstring would have been fine. Like, I'd be back to where I was a year ago. Crazy. Yeah, absolutely shocking situation. Um, slightly related to Bill, did you see uh, a clip going around on Twitter of Chris Sutton' reaction to his dismissal? He was loving it, he was loving it, wasn't he? He was loving it because he, he was... What was it. Bill said that he's the worst striker in Chelsea's, Chelsea's history. History, yeah. And, and what did Chris Sutton say? He, uh, he said Bill used to play for Charlton under fourteens. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know what. I don't. I'm. I'm really. Sutton, Chris Sutton is such like a marmite character, and sometimes I like him. Sometimes I think he comes off as a right prat. Oh, but I love that moment. That <laughs> was funny, wasn't it? Yeah. That was funny. But Just, isn't it ironic? Didn't we all say that, that this would happen to like? No disrespect to Rangers as a football institution, but also all disrespect to Rangers as a football institution. Absolutely. Since they've become a Phoenix club, they don't have a clue what they're doing. No. Like they they go through on average a manager a year. What Mick Bill thought after three months at QPR, where he was relying on a footballer whose hamstrings are now like more tenderized than like my mum's pork chops, thought right, yeah, the, this is the guy. Yeah, he'll, he'll give us five years, won't he? Yeah. The, the, uh, what, what, everyone involved, what were they all thinking? Yeah, I mean, like the, the whole of the Scottish League is an entire shambles of a situation. Uh, considering that they could, you know, no TV company will actually fund them properly. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> and a select, a, a select few teams get broadcast the whole time, Rangers and Celtic. Um, yeah. Celtic run away with the league every year and probably at least one of the cup competitions, if not both. And then they get into Champions League football and they both get roundly pasted each season or don't even qualify um you know next year like as someone saw on twitter again you know with this new sort of massive league structure that the champions league will be moving to you can bet rangers and celtic be rock bottom with that oh yep like it's an, an entire shambles and <laughs> the fact that bill thought he could go and turn it around that the, the whole you, i would never ever want to go manage even if i had the pleasure of being a football manager one of the places I would avoid would be Celtic or Rangers because you're either never going to be a success or you're not going to be successful enough sort of outside of that bubble yeah, to actually be a serious manager. And I don't think their fan base are realistic about it. Like, cause if any, like let, let's, let's call it what it is. Rangers are still Rangers and they'll always be the Rangers that were, but they are now like a Phoenix club, right? They, they, they died. They were reborn. They came up from like, league whatever the scottish third division is right the way up the leagues right their ascent is kind of like it's really kind of like saying as a luton fan yeah we need to be winning the league now we're here we're in the top division we need to be winning the league like if we're honest about it okay it's a bit different rangers have like have vast money and like 
investors and everything. But if you're honest with yourself, a club that's come up from Division 3 to Division 1 probably needs to temper their expectation. No matter who they were in the past, probably need to temper your expectation a little bit. Uh, anyway, that's enough uh, Glasgow Rangers talk. Let's uh, revert back to the Rangers that we like. Um, like is a strong word at the moment. Like the is a strong word. Uh, tolerate? Yes. Okay. Um, looking forward to Saturday, and I don't mean that in the sense that we're going to enjoy it, but <laughs> looking at the team selection, field is suspended to five yellows. Colback went off at half time, injured. Steve Cook went off injured. Jimmy Dunn has just returned from a pretty serious shoulder injury. Fair play to him for coming back so soon. But like you know, you never know if that's going to be a good thing or not, a la Willock, but it's a different yep. kind of thing. Um Joe Clark Salter managed to get through 90 minutes yesterday. Fair enough. But we know what he's like. It's sort of like you're only five minutes away from the next injury of him. Morgan Fox, I think, is still injured. So what we're looking at a defense, yeah, left out of the Wales squad, I believe, because of his injury. Reggie Cannon probably won't be fit yet. So you're looking at a defense again. Like Smith is going to have to play wing back. Kakai's mm-hmm. right centre back. Dunn's going to have to play, even though they probably wouldn't have wanted to put ninety minutes through him just yet. Um, who who else have you got there? Clark Salter's probably going to have to play, and who's yeah. going to partner partner Dizel in midfield? This is going to be a real inexperienced midfield against uh, you know Blackburn are one of those teams that we never win against Listen, it's tough to beat they're n- nasty at times if they have to be listen if, if if I know QPR and I know QPR we yeah. win this game 3-0 on Saturday this is the most QPR like all the chips are down we look terrible all of the key players are out we're winning this 3-0 I can I, I've seen this movie before Alex <laughs> I've seen it uh, are we, we expecting we win? Uh, are we thinking it's going to be Dixon Bonner from the start? I hmm. Right. What What do you think of Dixon Bonner? Do you think he needs to play deep, or do you think he needs to play further forward? Because... Michael, I've never seen him play football. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> what well, those six minute cameos at, at the end of um, every game? I can tell you. you. The longer, I know my dad watched him in a development game a couple of weeks ago, and he thought he was going to be a box to box midfielder, and he played deep. Well, this is my thing. I'm not sure what he, what I've seen of him. I'm like, I think maybe he should play further forward. But we've got about 15 million attacking midfielders at this point. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think maybe people are looking at like his physicality and thinking maybe he's like a more defensive midfielder. But I, I'm not convinced. But like you say, I've seen him in like eight minutes. But at the end of games, we're already winning. So I don't really like, I can't really give you a definitive answer. But um, I, I imagine he comes in, yeah, if that's your question. I imagine he comes in. Because, I mean, who else is there? Uh, Duke McKenna? Oh, God. Richards? I mean, uh, 90, <laughs> minutes for the, 90 minutes for the B team on, uh, on Tuesday. <laughs> We're back it's up. just not happening. It's not happening. He didn't make yeah, it to the squad over. photo, did he? People didn't it's, like it's that. It's over, isn't it? it is, it's looking like it's bleak. I hope yeah. this is one of those like really crazy comeback stories, but, boy... Something must, you know, something goes on behind the scenes there and you never quite know, but you kind of like, I don't know, this is just, 
It's just a yeah, disaster. You, you've paired Gareth Ainsworth, a man who doesn't reveal anything about the dressing room, with Queen's Park Rangers, a club that doesn't reveal anything about their dressing room. We won't find out until a book is written on this in like 10 years' time. So may as well just roll with it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so are we optimistic for Saturday? Yeah. Cheery, happy thoughts? Um, No, but <laughs> I am going as well. I need to like... <laughs> I just need to stop and have a look at myself, really. Like, why am, why am it, I going to so many games? Could be a real bleak afternoon for myself because I've got. I mean, I'm already expecting QPR to lose, but there might be that moment where I get set up for disappointment, where we sort of start okay, and then afterwards I'm going out to watch the uh, Ireland versus Scotland game in the rugby. Oh God, yeah. And you know, as as you will know, listeners, I am burdened with being Scottish, and. I'm desperate for Scotland to win that game. I mean, it wouldn't, I don't know if it would actually mean much because, you know, you beat beat them, they go go through and you play either New Zealand or France, who are both outstanding <laughs> at rugby. Uh, and to get through to that, you have to beat the best team in the world that haven't lost in ages and have beaten Scotland every time we've played them for the last eight years. So um i am setting myself up for failure on that one that's my own doing that's just the the hopefulness of a world cup and just thinking we could do it why not like yeah it's not it's a world cup you've got to believe it whatever world cup it is you have to believe that your team can win exactly exactly and you know i'm sure i'll there's i don't know is there enough beer in the world to make me happy after saturday I, i i don't i don't know we'll find out um we do this. We do this every week, Alex. You see if there's enough beer in the world to make you happy. In it, the answer is usually we'll try again next week. <laughs> it's like we just ran out this time. So close. <laughs> we got so close. We he nearly cracked a smile. <laughs> um. Anyway, really enjoyed this podcast, Micah. Thank you very much for coming on. No problem. Always a pleasure. Uh. So that's us for this week. Um. We'll be back next week for some reason to to talk it all over again in these group therapy sessions so thank you very much for joining us and uh yeah till next time come on you ask